Wow, 200 episodes. Oh, yeah. That's an awesome achievement. I remember the first time I listened to the comic book pit. I was sitting under a beautiful apple tree in a glowing grove. It was an extremely scenic afternoon. There was a rainbow. A little fox ran in the distance. And I hit play on the comic book pit website. Changed my life forever. It was pretty great. And uh, here we are, six, seven-something years later. I don't know how many. It's, it's still pretty great. So, I have a confession to make. I'm Nick Marino, a big shot Hollywood comic book writer, and I'm secretly Dickie Walters, guest host of Comic Book Pit, number 53 and number 60. Oh, yeah. You know what? I don't know what else to say. Oh, yeah. So, I'm just going to end it with a, yeah, super congrats. I think it's awesome. I love listening to the Comic Book Pit. Dan, Scott, Jared, Dickie Walters. Oh, yeah. Congrats, guys. It's an amazing achievement. Oh, yeah. Shut up. Really. Oh, I'm tra- yeah. Really. I'm trying to wish these guys a good thing. Oh, yeah. Just- okay, that's it. Okay. actually grounded to that one square mile. <laughs> like, I just couldn't do anything. It so was, this was all was prior to the advent of Comic Book Pit? No, this is no, during. This I might have been, like, the first or second year, because we were, like, we had to take, like, almost a month break because Duke was sick. Because, remember, because well, I, 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 I uh, recruited Mario to do a couple of episodes. While, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's while, right. While you were laid up. Well, I don't know if we're gonna if we're if we're sort of launching into the show right now. It was a ham-fisted attempt at sure. a segue. I'll tell you. Are that. we, you know, with a with an intro from from Nick from from our are, good are friend Dickie Dickie Walters. That that is the most riveting thing I've heard all night. In fact, <laughs> and, so. an official Hollywood comic book maker. That's well, right. I, I didn't know I didn't know they were the same person. I mean, well, he's got to protect his identity at all I costs. S- I saw Dickie at the supermarket the other day, and you know, <laughs> or I thought I thought it was, but you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what's right anymore. So, you know, I don't know what to think. Well, you know, you know, <laughs> you know we 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 jokingly called called Nick the Podfather, but you know, he he truly was. I mean, he, yeah, he, he was there at the at the beginning. Well, that's that's what us, I wanted to know? talk about. Yeah. Was the beginning of time for Comic Book Pit. <laughs> no, I think, uh, you know, uh, Dan and I hatched the idea over uh, some Paneras. And, uh, you know, because that was where our meeting place to sit there and mm-hmm. talk about all things geek, you know. Well, we were, you know, we, we, and, we, would, we would meet there like once a, a week or once every couple weeks and draw for a couple hours. Yeah, and talk about comics we were reading, and and I think I that was, you know, the, <laughs> a year prior I had just come from I had attended my first pod camp, right, and I was really excited to do something, 
you know. You had the bug. Yeah, I wanted to do a show. I want to do a comic book show, either like a video show or an audio show. I, I didn't care what it was, but I, like I wanted to do something. And I think that's. And then I, I don't know if it was me, but I just I said, well, what, like, why don't we just try it and just talk, just do what we've been talking about for the last hour, mm-hmm. you know, which is comic books. Yeah. And like, you know, it was like hell yeah, you know, like let's do this. And um, we never changed the thing. <laughs> well, 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 we always joke that our first episode took us three hours because yeah. it, it took us an hour oh, yeah. to figure out how to record, and then <laughs> an hour to record the show, and then an, an hour at the end to figure out how to edit and, and oh my god, and post it. Remember when we used to edit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we used to go through like painstakingly, like taking out all kinds of stuff. Yeah, we used to have a lot of ums, and we would sit there and watch the, um, you know, the audio. So you would actually see those dips, yeah. and then see a little um, or. Uh, yeah, we would see the spikes or the dips and, or whatever. And we're like, we can edit those out. Let's take them out. <laughs> so we would sit there uh, and take yes. out every single one. And I think, I don't know when we finally got tired of that. We were just like... <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it would take us... I mean, no joke. It would take us a minimum of an hour to edit a show. Yeah. And well, I would do <laughs> the same thing with uh, Figure It Out with Sean, the uh, occasional co-host of this here uh, program as well and uh when i first started doing it, i would i would edit it i would spend like hours <laughs> now who are I, you like, the, no who are you no i'm just kidding because <laughs> uh mr atkins has allergies so he likes to sniff and i learned how to identify the shape uh, the, it looked like a football nice. in, in sound wave form and i would go and i'd snip all that out if there was like extended pauses i'd truncate them. I think it was me just more having fun with the sound editing software. Oh, yeah. And then after a while, it became work. So you, yeah. So I just said, screw it. I think, you know, fortunately over the the past few years, we've kind of tightened things up enough that we could get away with, you know, uh, without editing the crap out of it. Yeah. Or we just don't care as much. I don't know. It's one or the other. <laughs> so, <laughs> a little bit of both. But I mean, geez. we stopped caring, so we just got better. I mean, maybe yeah. we got better at speaking, and we just don't say um as often. Sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go with that one. <laughs> but uh, um, well, we don't care about dead space as much as we used to. I think that was that's what happens is when you're uncomfortable and you don't know what to say. Now I think we just don't care. It's like, well, if we're quiet, we're quiet. So yeah, no some of, some of that I will I'll, I'll still go in and take out if it's if it's a little too oh, yeah. obvious or too too disruptive, too weird. If it gets to the like, point where we're here for like twenty minutes of just silence. <laughs> well, if it gets to because this has happened on other shows I've listened to where you you don't realize that they're just being quiet and you think that, like, oh my gosh, did 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 it stop? Yeah, did, it didn't take much time for you for the listener. To check their device. Right, that's exactly it. It's like you have to because sometimes it's legitimate. Sometimes there's a, a, a like a, a file that's messed up, and sometimes people are just everyone's quiet at the same time. It's like a perfect storm of quietness. <laughs> oh, so like talking about the origin of the comic book pit here. 
but so then Dan and I would record and we'd do it in person. That was the other thing. Yes. Like I and we would go to the sub level basement of the house that he was living in mm-hmm. and you know, like deep under the earth and record. And I think that was part of where we got the name. We were just like, you know, hey, it's a it's Pittsburgh, it's a pit, you know, it's Well yeah, well it all fits. Our for because our first episode the show was originally called the Bags and Board Bags yeah. and Boards podcast or bags and boards bags and boards yeah something like that and for some reason we didn't do our (laughs) our due diligence and i feel like yeah because there was we found out like after we recorded the episode and posted it that there already was a website and a podcast of the same yeah yeah i think we checked but we didn't check very much we didn't we just typed it in we're like oh no no we're fine and then like the next week we checked again and we're like oh damn yeah i think (laughs) I, i must have found out when i went to register the domain or something because it said, Oh, you know, this, this is already taken. How about bags and, bo-? and it, you know, it gives you like 12 different alternatives. It's like, oh, yeah. wait a second, what's going on here? Yeah. So, but yeah, but then, uh, you know, and then I think our first listeners, which was kind of cool was because we we're both regulars at, um, Phantom of the Attic. And so we put flyers out at the store and, like all of a sudden we had listeners from the store. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the weirdest thing for us because we were like, <laughs> who, how, wait, people know us now and we don't know who they are. And, you know, so it was Link, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Maracy, yeah, and Nick, I think. I don't know if he listened right away, but they, you know, we were, we were on their radar and, then it was just that weird thing, like, we gotta figure out who these guys are. You know? <laughs> well, I remember, yeah, the, They're the, listening to us. the first time I, we, we met Link, it was, I, we were all at the store and this guy's walking yeah. around and, and it's like, so, it was so painfully awkward because we're, everyone, like, we, every so often we'd all, <laughs> like, catch, like, we'd all make eye contact and, it, yeah. and finally I'd be like, um, are you Link? And then it's like, yeah, it was just so weird. Yeah, it was one of those weird because they were daytimers too, and we were like in the evenings, yeah. so we would never see them. But uh, that's—I mean—that was one of those cool things. That's how we actually met, you know, and became friends with people too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, just—I think just to pull Jared into this, um, right? You know, right. I, I mean, this is before my time. This was way before. I mean, we're talking what three right. or four years, right? And then well, we didn't. Well, I feel like we didn't really meet Jared until Picks. Yeah, the original Picks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I was at the original Picks. I mean, uh, you I were at other things too, but that's that's where I first remember you. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I remember that, your table. You were like kind of across from like Byron and Sean, Sean and Seth. Yeah, I was across from Sean. Yeah. I, Sean was like the only person I talked to. I, I was quite uh, introverted. Uh, still am, but really more a lot so then. And Sean was the only one I talked to, and that's because he was, he talked to me, and that's because we were right across from one e- each other, and that was actually both picks. Um, I'd be lying if I said I remembered you guys. I do <laughs> remember your, uh, table, Dan, because you had that zombie romance thing. Mm-hmm. And it was like years later, I'm like, oh, that was Dan? I'm like, no oh, shit. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm the same though, I couldn't, I can't remember you from that show. Well, here's the thing, I don't, 
Now, I remember Jared, but I did not introduce myself at that time. I, but I do yeah. remember you being there. I don't know when we were, when we actually like formally met or even if we ever did, but I just remember all of a sudden it was like, like we were all in the same. Were you at Minicon at the, in 2012? Was that that place in Garfield? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because that was so. Here's, the, oh, here's yeah. a little maybe little, that might have been little my story. Um, I moved to Pittsburgh in late 2009. Um, I was working. I can say this now. I can discuss. I was working at CBS Caremark. I was doing inbound calls, and I was working at 11:30 to 8. So I had like I couldn't participate in anything. I, I it, that was my life. Um, and then it was in like early 2011. I got off of that shift and I changed you know, positions in the company. And I still, like, so I'd done the first picks. Then, you know, didn't really get it, you know, didn't branch out. 2011 was kind of a lost year in some respects. Um, cause I didn't know where I, if I was staying or leaving. In fact, I had been talking to companies back in Williamsport, uh, where I came from about going back. Um, and then at the end of 2011, like all, everything had fallen through. There was one job I, I had an offer, took it in the room and then had to end up declining it because there was no like benefits involved and I couldn't afford to not have insurance. Um, so I, I was that close to being gone. Um, so 2012 rolls around. I made a resolution was like, I'm here in Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, there is this, I was aware of something comic scene wise happening here um so i had made a concentrated effort that in 2012 i was going to get more involved in it and then uh when that minicon rolled around that year i remember it very well because it was also opening day for the pirates because i went to the pirate game that afternoon left the pirate game drove to garfield to set up for minicon and so that first night of minicon it was two nights as y'all may remember yeah. I think it was like a Thursday, Friday. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was something the first like that. night, there was like no people. So yeah. it was like a show for ourselves. Yeah. So that, I had like my four or five stock questions, which I don't quite remember them all right now. And that's how I forced myself. How many my walkers show. have you killed? Yeah. How many people how many have people? you killed? <laughs> and why'd you kill them? And why did you do it? How many yeah. comics have you made? And how many comics do you read? I think it was more like, like how, how do you do it? Like, what, <laughs> what pencil do you use? Um, at any rate, but no, so I went around, and that's, you know, and that was the moment. Because, like, Duke, you were right behind me. I know. I, I have that one picture I always use, and you're in the yeah, background. I'm in the background. <laughs> and I remember, like, uh, Rachel Money was, like, to my left, so I... I but like chatted with her most of the night. But like everybody like I know like Sean, Nick, Jeremy, Baum, to name like the the, the come like right off the top of my head. Yeah. Like it all started there with Minicon, that Juan Fernandez uh organized. Oh yeah, Juan yeah, that was a Juan show, yeah. Yeah. And that so that was that was it. Like that was my coming out party. <laughs> If you will, that's when it happened. And the rest so you is history. Cause then you, guys, <laughs> you guys did a recording at the old Century Free New Dimension location that year, like a month later. Oh, yeah, that's or, right. That was at the Free Comic Book Day. 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 And I came down, and Sean and Nick were both at that. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when they moved to the new store, uh, you, Dan, and Nick did a podcast right. recording at the – and I – I knew you guys were there, so I, I just, you know, dropped down and, uh, 
shoot the shit. And um, you guys you put me on the show then. Yeah. And sure. I forget, at some point in that time, too, oh, it was in between 2011 picks and Minicon 2012. I got a smartphone, got the Stitcher, and finally discovered, like, podcasts in earnest. Like, I'd known Smodcast. Like, that was it. That was the only one I was to. And so then I discovered all y'all's shows. And that's when I was like, holy shit, these guys have podcasts. Like, they're big time. <laughs> but it also was how I learned your personalities. I was like, I would totally get along with these guys. <laughs> and so that, that was, you know, part of it, too. And so I was like, well, I'll go be pals. I'm like, who knows? Maybe I'll get to be on a podcast. <laughs> and then, as they say, the rest is history. Yeah, well, we were just... Yeah, I think that's, we were looking for another person, I think, too, and we were just like... You needed, yeah, you needed, uh, as I, I recall the story, you needed respite. Like, you weren't able, because we alternated, like, we were not yeah, on the show. Yeah, that's what right? it was. Is, yeah, at the time, it was like, doing weekly was not working for me. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of keeping our eyes peeled, and we're like, hey, that, that Jared guy can talk. Yeah. We're like, holy cow, that guy never stops talking. And, and we're like, no, I, I don't know, something like that. Well, but, uh, and here's, here's a little bit of CBB trivia. We were going to ask, in fact, I think I actually did go as far as asking Jeff Marisi oh, yeah, that's a couple right. of years prior to having Jared come on if he would be our third host. That's and, right. And that's when, you know, and I, I, I showed Jeff how to use Skype and, and then, he, um, like a week or two later, he kind of said, "You know, I, it, it occurs to me, I really am not reading any comics anymore." <laughs> like he he was literally reading one one book a month, <laughs> and so he kind of he gracefully just kind he, of, he, he, he bowed out and yeah he yeah. said you know it's it's probably for you know in your guys' best interest if I'm not we could we could just say that. Yeah, that the executives, you know, wrote him out, and you know, we're really sorry, and but no, he tested poorly. No. <laughs> well, he was on a couple of times. Um, yeah, we, um, we we used to periodically have these Walking Dead end of season oh, yeah, uh, wrap right. up episodes with uh, Jeff, and I think we had Link and yeah. his wife uh, Caitlin on. Yeah, and then what I had. Jeff uh, rode shotgun with me once, and we interviewed uh, an artist by the name of uh, a creator, artist, writer, creator by the name of uh, Emily McGinnis. And yeah, I mean, uh, Jeff, Jeff, um, he he's very comfortable behind the mic, and you know, uh, uh, but yeah, it just didn't work out. So it's Jared is our Jared is our density. <laughs> our density yes uh, yeah no that so then then the rest was his, his story and I don't, and I don't here know. we are at episode number 200 mm. yeah I think we tried we still didn't buy uh, balloons or you know or whistles or whatever yeah we we 100 episodes later and we still didn't do it we, yeah we still haven't had a party or anything for yeah. any like big milestone <laughs> Okay, for for three hundred, we have to have a party. All right, we got to do something to celebrate, you know, a, a big milestone. We did we didn't do it for one hundred.
Thank you. There it is. For the first time, our studio audience has responded to our <laughs> our clips. Well, uh, well, speaking of <laughs> well, speaking of responses, we we do have a uh, aside from our uh, the congratulatory message from our buddy Nick Marino. We do have a message from uh, another friend, uh, local um, entrepreneur and. Podcaster, um, and gosh, he he wears so many hats. I feel the like dude, he, the dude does wear a lot of hats. He's he um, works for Action Lab. Yeah, right? I didn't even know that until recently. That he, yeah, uh, he does their um, social network media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we're talking about uh, Jim Dietz, uh, great guy, and he he sent us this message with a, a few. Uh, Interesting talking uh, points, so we're going to listen to that, and then we will uh, we'll be back to uh, respond. Hey, guys. Uh, happy 200th. This is uh, Jim Dietz, formerly of the Gypsy Cafe, but still the HHW LOD Media Network and Action Lab. I just wanted to wish you guys a happy 200th. I know uh, that's my two-year-old son, Jack. He's offering uh, you greetings as well. Yeah, it's Edward. Very good. Um, I know podcasting has been really cool for me because I've gotten to meet a lot of really great people and do a lot of really cool things in the time I've been podcasting. And I wanted to know what were, um, I don't know if I asked you guys this question or not yet, but uh, what were the best things to ever come out of podcasting for you? I mean, what are things you might have done that you might not have done if you hadn't uh, been podcasting or people you might have met or interviewed or whatever? What were some of the best experiences that you had because uh, you had the show? Uh, that's my question for your 200th episode. I hope you have a great, have a great show, and uh, you, you go with 200 more, and uh, yeah. free comic book day. All right, all right. So uh, yeah, so thanks, Jim, for that for that awesome message. And yeah, that was thank you taking the yeah. time to uh, send that to us. So as far as um, what the, the the show has done for you guys what do you think what, what what's your oh, like like the highlights or the best things yeah i mean i'll i'll mention the one because i don't think you guys will but you know having cat Tabor. oh like yeah that... got, yeah when we got to interview cat Tabor, who is one of the voice actors from the clone wars cartoon she's the voice of padme amidala that was awesome <laughs> you know and like that was one of those like i don't even know honestly dan i when you did that i was like I don't even know what you're thinking, but you're like, but you're like, hey, Dave Filoni's from Pittsburgh. I think we can get him on the show. And I'm like, I'm like, Dave Filoni's like the director of everything at Lucas right now. And I'm like, I don't. Oh, okay, okay, go ahead, <laughs> try that. That was that was so weird the way that whole thing yeah. shook out. I mean, well, Dave Filoni. I, I not only went to high school with Dave Filoni, but uh, I graduated with his brother. So oh, yeah. I recognize the name. I didn't realize that he was as high up as he yeah. is He's, in the Lucasfilm animation. He you know. runs it. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. So, and he runs Rebels now, too. Star Wars Rebels. But, on Disney. But I think, if I remember correctly, like, I messaged, I just, like, tweeted at him. Yeah, that's right. And then he actually got back to me and said, contact this guy. You're his. His agent his or agent. his handler, yeah. whoever, and that guy was super cool. Like we were emailing back and forth about. <laughs> he's like, "Well, look, Dave is really busy. They're rolling out the new season of what was it, Clone Wars, right? Yeah, the, yeah, like the new the season. Of, he's yeah, like, Dave, yeah. Dave is really busy, but hey, um, 
I've, I, I can put you in touch with some of the voice actors. And I, did I ask, or did, did he give us options, or did I ask you? I forget. He gave, I think he gave us a list, and, like, James Arnold Taylor is really the big one now as far as, like, that group goes. Um, he was the voice of uh, Obi-Wan in the cartoon okay. and, and numerous other characters. Um, but, I, you know, but I had remembered from Celebration 5 that Cat Tabor was, she was, like, a geek, you know, I remember her wearing some comic book shirt on stage and everything. And I was like, Oh yeah. I was like, she could totally at least, you know, entertain us. Yeah. I, I just remember how ridiculously nervous we both were. Oh yeah. We were, cause we never did like that. We We never interviewed somebody. Well, we did, but never, well, our first, we had Mikey Wood on the show. Yeah, We had Mikey Wood on the show, but But, he's Mikey, but we know Mikey. Yeah. We go way back. Mikey's great. Like yeah, Cat Tabor was like you know, uh, at least a somewhat bona fide personality slash celebrity. Yeah, actress. And yeah, we were nervous to the point of I think like our voices were shaking. We're just like, let's just ask the question and hopefully she says everything else. And she was great. Yeah, I mean, thank God because she she kind of took control and she pretty much carried the show for us. Yeah, we just asked questions and she would yeah. just go. Yeah, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was awesome. Everybody's curious. That wasn't even an actual, a proper episode. That was comic book special, comic book pit special number twelve, a chat Whoa. with cat from Thursday, October twenty eighth, two thousand ten. Oh, oh my god, that's that's, that's our, awesome. That's our archive. And October was, and so. then uh, you mentioned uh, Dickie Walters, yeah. also from October third, twenty ten, episode fifty three, which I think was mentioned. There earlier. you go. Yeah, yeah. I've like mentioned that. It is. This is uh, Holy the cow, first like, Pittsburgh Indie Comics Expo is happening October sixteenth, seventeenth. Jared, Jared, you're like the editor of the of the episode. You know, I like, am. I'm the like editor. The That's why I said. Yeah, he, he, you're the asterisk. He's, he's, I am. He's our he's our archivist. <laughs> yeah, I've never listened to these, but I I know how to <laughs> I know how to click buttons real quick and find them. Um, I know. Well, I like so, I love that question from uh from Jim and I. Actually, I didn't have to think too long about that one. Uh, the podcast, I mean, it, as far as experiences that would not have happened yeah. if not for being on this show, the one that sticks out that's obvious to me is New York Comic Con and yep. all that entailed. Like this show, we went to New York Comic Con with this show. Yeah. yeah. Like, we were, what, the last year they allowed podcasts and got in. We were there and ours, like, we, we, we snuck, made it. Like, we snuck in the artist alley. Like, let's just be honest. Like we, we did. We gained the system. I mean, they. I mean, yes, that was their system that was in place. We didn't gain anything, but we got to thank the Podfather for that one too. Yeah. For Nick, that's right. Oh, he, Nick. Because yeah. he totally hooked us up on that one. Yeah, he he put me in touch with uh, Jimmy Aquino from the yeah. uh, Comic News Insider podcast. Yeah. Wrote a glowing letter of recommendation. Yes, he did, and that. That still sticks out as just one of the best weekends I've ever had. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. I mean, it was so much fun. I mean, just, uh, I mean, A, just going with you guys was, yeah. I had a blast. Yeah. Just hanging out with you guys for a weekend, going to the Big Apple, going to the, I mean, at, at that point, like, the biggest show I'd ever been to. Um, Same here, yeah. Wearing the press badge, you know, kind of cool. Yeah, getting to hang out in the press lounge, you know, I was like, "Whatever." Hey, you love that press lounge? I never saw it. But I did. I, I have to admit, I was a whore for the press lounge. Yeah, where the hell oh, yeah. Was at? I was like, "Oh, is that the press lounge again?" Oh, that's right, because you had the press badge and we had the table badges. I think. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
So we're like, oh, I guess we're have my badge. gonna hand out. I have mine too. <laughs> hand oh, out. That uh, show was such a. I mean, hey. it was just such a uh, mess of people that I was more than happy to man the table because I was a bit agoraphobic at that place. It was just like, yeah. there's a lot of people out there, guys. I'll just stay here and you know, yeah, what? safer behind the table. Well, so I mean, we it, coined our little catchphrase. There it is. Comics, I was gonna say we that. make comics. We talk comics. We make comics. Yep. I have my Stan Lee story from New York. Which is just, I was, because I did all those interviews. Like, I was on a mission to track down indie guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Not just guys, but indie folks. And it's not gender specific. Right, right. And uh, that's why I did all those interviews from the different people that did indie comics. And I was going up to interview, I think it was the folks <laughs> behind um, Afroella. I turn a corner, and there, but a few scant feet from me, is the man himself, like, signing autographs with his <laughs> army of super soldier bodyguards. And I was like, I. Didn't expect to turn a corner and run into Stan Lee. Yeah. Well, it was just so crazy. I mean, just in Artist Alley, I mean, right behind us was what, like Chris Claremont? Chris Claremont. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Adam I mean, Hughes, yeah. Frank Cho. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, you, you had those little aisles that you could, like, I think they were meant, like, for people with badges like us. You could cut down and cut through the mess, and then you'd come out. I remember the first day, I was like, I need a drink. I cut down this aisle. I turned. Out, and there's Rob Liefeld doing sketches. I'm yeah. like, where am I? Like every like comic creator, like a books that I collect, like was practically there. Yeah. So I got to go like I I did make a time to go talk to them and like like thank you for the entertainment and stuff like that. It, <laughs> it um, like legitimately it, like it felt like a, a dream. It was like something you would just dream about. Yeah. Artist Alley was alone was the best comic con I'd ever been to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like I talked to Umberto Ramos and I dropped I caught his attention because I dropped some uh, like the, the old Superboy fillings he did. I remember oh, Thomas. Yeah. Like, I remember him doing. He's like, and he had, he was drawing like he was doing a commission for someone. And I was really more talking to his like handler, and he was just like face down. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's like I love Umberto Ramos' work. And it's like I remember him like on the uh, two issues of Superboy, did, and that's where Umberto's like, oh wow. Then like yeah. looked up, like, yeah man. He's like, and he was like looking me in the eyes, he's like thank you, you know, like thank me for you know being a fan. <laughs> That's cool. No, so yeah, there's like memory. The only regret is I didn't talk to the guys from Chew, which maybe oh, was a yeah. good thing. I I had put my foot in my mouth a few times on Twitter with those guys. So, <laughs> but I could. They are um, Rob Gillies in one of the photos you took, Dan. Of, oh like, really? He's just like walking up the steps. But yeah, yeah, I do regret not going and talking to them guys. Okay. I, I do love me some Chew. Um, <laughs> if if this wasn't such a uh, walk down memory lane episode. Well, it's tough for me to review the Chew book, anyways, because it's it is a finite book and it's getting towards the end. So to discuss it now is like, well, let me catch you up on the last forty-eight issues before I can discuss what happened this month. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I love that book, and yeah, ah, New York Comic Con for me was something that would not have, and all that happened in New York Con is something that would not have happened had it not been for being part of Comic Book Pit. So nice. I thank you, gentlemen, for bringing me in. See, <laughs> you answered Jim's second question. He had emailed us as well. Um, but I don't want to get off, like, Dan, I'm sure you have a best thing, or was that your best yeah, thing? Yeah, well, definitely New York is probably my number one. But since we went over that already, I would say uh, my number two was, um, I think, a few years ago. And I, I, I may have even posted this on Facebook a week or two ago, but um, getting a one-on-one interview with uh, Mike Diodato. Oh yeah, at, at Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh yeah. Comics uh, a few years ago, 
was just really cool. Um, it, that was the, the first like solo interview I ever uh, got a chance to do. And uh, again, going back to being like super nervous, yeah, I, I was. I and and it was funny because Diodato he apologized to me for his English, which was practically flawless. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, he has an accent, but his he is. He does not speak broken English at all. I mean, he was completely right. understandable, and he was such a sweet guy. And, um, you know, I know occasionally I may have mentioned things about his art here and there, but, I mean, the guy is professional from top to bottom. I mean, he, he did all night he did sketches for people, like big sketches, like nice. eight, like 18 by 24 size, like head sketches. Um, yeah, it was that was just, like I was just thrilled. I was, you know, to meet him and to talk to him and to get like a piece of original art from him. Uh, just, yeah. And, and I, I believe it was, it was Colin from Pittsburgh comics. I forget how the whole thing started. If I talked to him, if he suggested it. Um, but I think he put me in touch with Mike Diodato's handler, uh, David Campini. Right. And he was very uh, very nice, very gracious, very accommodating. You know, um, th- he set up the uh, the time for you know for me to you know get about ten or fifteen minutes after his appearance to uh, just just talk with him. And yeah, it was it was just a really neat experience. Nice, that's awesome. I, I'm still I'm looking for it here. I don't I don't see it. So um, if our archive has found it, I don't know. No, I was actually watching. No. Um, I was looking at a uh, Twitter interaction between Carl Reiner and uh, Mel Brooks. <laughs> yeah. Way to be honest. I don't, I, yeah, I mean, but you know no, what? You, I, I'm, I think I'm going through my Twitter feed, and it's Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks like jagging one another on Twitter. Like that's the world we live in. Like nice. I was like, oh yeah, there's Mel Brooks is like chiming in, kind of trolling old Carl Reiner. I was like, I'm a comedy fan too, and I'm like, that's <laughs> wow. You don't see that, but um. Well, well, I I, I found it. It's uh, you found it. It was just it was under 2010. It was December. There was I think uh-huh. there were two entries. Oh, there I, it is. I, I I think I did a blog entry. Yeah. And then the interview is comic book special number 14. Wow, I I feel like 2010 might have been our best year. Well, 2011 like. has the most posts. Our highlight reel. Yeah. 2012 is second with 84 different updates. Yeah, 2010 was actually the, uh, wait, what the hell was it? 2011. 2011 was the, like, I guess I got my, uh, sorry. Our highlight, re- you know, like, we're like mentioning the highlights. Yeah, 2010 has two good ones. And, uh, and then, of course, um, New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That, yeah, that, that was epic. It really was. Um, uh, there it is. Jim's questions. What was your best con experience? I think we all agree that yeah, New York Comic Con. Yeah, tough to, was, tough to top. Yeah, hands, yeah, hands down. I mean, I, I, until we yeah. go to you know San Diego, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Do they have podcast tables at San Diego? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and. We'll, we'll do our live uh, recording from Hall H. I Saturday think night. I, I I feel like if we were to ever go to San Diego, it would just be like on our own dime as guests. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah as guests or, yeah. or as uh, attendees, right? I mean, 
Um, Duke, what was his other, his other, uh, his his other two questions? Well, um, if you could bring back any creative team, living or dead, to do six, six more issues, who would they be and what character? Um, which I, I'm kind of leaving to you guys because I couldn't really decide. So I, I went with the creative team of, uh, and I think just because I, I, I read this recently, I, um, I would go with uh, Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli oh, yeah. to do either another four to six issues of Batman or Daredevil. Uh, because I'm I'm so in love with Batman Year One and Daredevil Born Again. And David Mazzucchelli um, really doesn't do any uh, mainstream work. I mean, he does, you know, he, he had his... Um, I, I, I believe he teaches, mm. uh, if, if I understand correctly. But a couple of years ago, he put out that book, that uh, Asterius Polyp. Oh, okay. Uh, which uh, I never read, but I heard great things about. Um, and other than Born Again in Year One, I don't really think he's done a lot of mainstream work. So I, I would love to see another collaboration of Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli, but I think, you know, if if we were allowed to choose, like, a period of time, I would <laughs> say, like, maybe right after, you know, maybe a, a follow-up a year later. I, I was going to say. Like, I don't I, I don't know if right now I would want them now. Because Frank Miller is a little crazy. That, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. Can you pick? Because somebody that I was very influenced by originally was Alan Davis as an art, artist. Mm-hmm. But I do not like his current work at all. Like, and it's one of those things. Like, I would not want to. You know, he can keep cranking out six issue books anytime, but I'm just, I, I just well, put him right back on the stand. Well, that, well, well you know, yeah. as as the um, parameters of the question, you know, you can since he's still living. I mean, I would assume you could say, you know, Alan Davis in his prime. Yeah, I mean, Alan Davis and. You know, we could we could play around with the question and say uh, which you know which Alan Davis would you want? Uh, the one that did Captain Britain bef- even before Excalibur was mm-hmm. probably his his best work in my opinion um, because yeah. he worked on a it, like when he originally did them he did not know it was going to be colored so he did oh. it for yeah for a black and white magazine so it's all there and then somebody colored it later. Where now you can see, and this is what I don't like about it, is you can see how much he relies on a colorist, mm-hmm. like that he doesn't he doesn't do a lot of um, shading and stuff like that like he used to, and let you know shadows fall on people the way, you know he's just like oh colors got it sure so, um, that was a big influence. My other big influence, like as far as like my original favorite team, what has to be Ann Naseni. And John Romita Jr. doing Daredevil. And it was that post Frank Miller world, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but that's when I came into comics. So, you know, like the fact that, like, she did, she was all about social issues, you know, environmental issues, stuff like that in her writing. And it was kind of cool because that's what I cared about at the time. And, you know, John Romita Jr. just, and, oh, and Al Williamson was the anchor on that book. Yeah, that was which good is stuff. actually 
that's actually what launched it over the, the top. Like, I never thought his stuff looked better than when Al Williamson inked it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that was my dream team back then. Um, I don't know, you know, nowadays I don't, I guess I don't really hold people up this high. <laughs> so I'm just like, well, what else, you know, you know what? cranking your stuff out, you're good. And I so. would say as a, um, a runner-up for me, uh, just for fun, I would like to see Tony Moore come back and do a six-issue arc of Walking Dead. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Since he, you know, he did the first six issues. Yeah, let's bring, you know, let's bring him back for another six. See how far. Yeah, see, see how far he's come as an artist too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to bring a book on back on that book. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be excellent. Oh, I just I just thought of another one. Um, James Robinson and Tony Harris, uh, Starman. Oh Ooh. yeah. Like maybe it's like a four or six issue miniseries. Yeah. See see what uh, Jack Knight's up to now. <laughs> a little older, a little you know. He's got let's say you know have him with a teenage daughter. You figure at this point, you know, dealing with being a dad and a ex superhero. Probably be some good stuff. Uh, yeah. My pick. Uh, it would be um, Carl Kiesel, Tom Grummet, Doug Hazelwood. They did. Uh, it doesn't have to be Superboy, but they were Tom Grummet, man. Uh, Tom, I don't. I'm sure I've awesome. sung the praises of Tom Grummet on this program before. Tom Grummet, 20 years ago, the world began and end mm-hmm. with Tom Grummet for me. I, love, I still love Super Tom Boy. Grummet. Yeah, Superboy. Yeah, yeah. I love that. I have the entire run of that series i have i've discovered them on adventures of superman like i started collecting you know at the death of and kept going for like a solid decade on that book but tom grummet particularly tom grummet inked by doug hazelwood when you saw that tgdh like that was mm, and just i loved it loved it because everything like tom grummet drew like from the people to like a lamp they all had that same style like he's kind of a workman like, he's not like an Umberto Ramos or Sean Gordon Murphy, you know, super stylized or anything like that. Yeah. But he's kind of like a workman, almost in that, like, Mark Bagley vein. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. oh, Tom, I just Tom, had, like, a visceral reaction to the artwork of Tom Grummet. Tom Grummet, Grummet I, what, I, what always stood out for me for him was that everything looked three-dimensional. Like, his his characters looked like they were standing there. Yeah. You know, like, he was yeah. so good at, at that line weight. You know, to make to make the, them actually have that form. I think f- for me, I, you guys mentioned you know different books that you followed him on. For me, I, I fell in love with him during uh, when he was doing t- the New Titans. Oh, mm. right on. Yeah. When they when they did the the, the Titans Hunt storyline and they introduced Phantasm and Wildebeest and uh, uh. Panther and wow, it was just real. I mean, yeah, it was super cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm. You know, as a young artist in my own right, in the influence, like to the, now, Incrediman's nose—that's a Tom Grummet nose. It, uh. You know, it, it, it's through my you know own little lens, but that—that's a Tom. Yeah. That little dip under the nose and the lip, Tom Grummet, like all that stuff. It, for me, it goes back to Tom Grummet, and like <laughs> I bought that Convergence Flat Speed Force issue that came out a couple weeks ago because it was drawn by Tom Grummet. I mean, I haven't stuck with him through everything and he kind of he's a little bit all over the place but he still works um 
and I don't mean as an insult, but he's kind of one of them cats that technology kind of quote unquote ruined what he does. Like, like I said, that Tom Grummet, Doug Hazelwood on the not the post newsprint, pre glossy paper, pre digital coloring, like twenty years ago. Like that was the shit. Forgive my language nice. on this program, but that was oh, like I said back in the day. Like I wanted to see him draw everything, and uh, yeah. So and then Carl Kiesel, like I said, that Superboy run with Carl Kiesel writing it, Tom Grummet drawing it, and Doug Hazelwood inking it was the be all end all for me. So I guess yeah, if I could get like that's why I was kind of disappointed. Like the Convergence Superboy, it's that leather jacket Superboy. And they didn't bring that team back for it. I was kind of oh, yeah. a missed opportunity right uh. there. But, yeah, so I guess if I could get six issues, it would be Carl Kiesel, Tom Grummet, Doug Hazelwood, Superboy living in Hawaii hmm. with, you know, Double X and, and Roxy and um, Rex. Was that the, like, his business manager and stuff? There's probably elements of that that have maybe sort of subconsciously in subtle ways creeped into, like, what I'm doing with Incredible Man. So probably that and, like, Madman and Ticker probably the three influences on what I've gone to create, but yeah, yeah, that would be the team that I would take my money now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's hard to like some. I was just thinking like as I look at Twitter a little bit too. Um, Terry Moore, you know, he's somebody that like he's still producing good work, so it's hard to say that I'd want him for six more issues, you know, because we are we got him current, you yeah. know, so like current artists, it's. It, and uh, or even creative teams, it's hard to say. Um, you know, of course, I love Adam Hughes, but I, I think I really do love his covers more than his pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I I do miss <laughs> when he he had a very short stint on uh, Justice League International. Yeah, and uh, that's that's really where I first uh, yeah that's yeah, kind of discovered him. He was. Making his rounds, you know, trying to... Yeah, he was actually doing interior art and covers and just great stuff. I mean, we got, you know, we did get that, you know, they uh, he did the uh, Before Watchmen story um, th- with Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. And that was a good team up, actually, was Straczynski and Hughes. Like, that's, that's a combo right there. Um... And, you know, yeah, I kind of fulfilled that. I think that was probably what what that book was even for, was just to have dream teams, you oh, know, to watch. Oh, yeah, them, so. absolutely. Um, yeah, that was a good one. But, uh, yeah. Cool. Um, <coughs> Sorry. The other question, what other podcasts do you listen to besides your own? And I, I will, podcasts or in general any podcast. It just says, well, yeah, what other, other podcasts? Yeah. Um, I actually don't listen to many, <laughs> so. Uh, um, I yeah, don't listen to as sure. many as I used to. Um, just like I said, the, the, the old job used to have an opportunity where I could just listen to podcasts all day, but now it kind of for me blows down to Smodcast is a given. Uh, with Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier. Because me, I mean, that was like the first one I listened to going back to 2007. To me, it was natural because it was almost like an extension. I don't know if you guys remember the commentaries from like the old View Askew DVDs. Yeah. Which, I mean, so that was just natural. So I, I love that one, you know, the Kevin Smith, Scott Mosier podcast. 
Um, occasional listening nerds, but yeah, the other one that's like I usually don't miss or whatever is um Joe Rogan experience. Oh, that one. That one. They they film that one, so I usually just watch that like on YouTube. Like, you can fire from the t- it's three hours, but oh, wow. so I'd say it's probably Smodcast and Joe Rogan experience are the two ones that I I, that you I don't listen to every Joe Rogan, but I do. You know, you, you follow. Like, I follow. Like, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's a three-hour podcast each time, but yeah, and I'd say as far as like who did I crib from when I started doing all this, it would probably be those two as well. Um, yeah, those are those are the big ones, and then um, I think that there's not a whole lot. Let me bring up. I mean, I still got my my Stitcher playlist and everything, and like there's you know there's Nerdist that's out there. Phoebe is with uh, Matt Meyer from Nerdist and Scott Moser from Smodcast. They do a podcast together. I usually that's probably the number three. But yeah, I said Smodcast and Joe Rogan are the two big ones, and I I I'll admit I usually end up listening to Figure It Out too because uh, I think I have a good background drone voice. You can just put me on and I can yammer and you can go about doing your chores and I'm there. With uh, Big Sean Atkins. Um, Well, as far as comic book podcasts, uh, I listen to uh, iFanboy, which is, I think, one of the first podcasts I started listening to when I got my very first iPod uh, in, like, 2006. Uh, It was that and Comic Geek Speak. Those were the the two that I found. Um, iFanboy is the one I still listen to. I also uh, listen to a show called Two Headed Nerd. Oh, okay. And a show called House to Astonish. Um, and there's also one that's not specifically comics; it's more along the lines of uh, like the creative process, but it's by web comics guys. Um, it's called Surviving Creativity. It's okay. uh, Scott Kurtz of PVP. Oh, yeah. And uh, Brad Geiger, who does uh, Evil Incorporated. Yeah. And uh, they do a really good show. They they actually used to host a show called Web Comics Weekly with two other web comics creators, and that was one of my all time favorite podcasts. Um, for uh, humor, there's a show called How Did This Get Made, which is um, it's a uh, Paul Sh- Paul Shear, um, oh nice Jason Manzukis, nice. and June Diane Raphael. And they pick a movie. They they like they watch a movie and then they just like, I mean, it, not just any movie, like the worst of the worst, but yeah. like big budget terrible movies. Like the last one they just did was Con Air, um, and they just oh yeah, and it's just funny because these guys, I mean, they're professional actors and comedians. Yeah. I mean, it's I, it's hilarious. Uh, uh, little known fact: I saw Paul Shear at Celebration two weeks ago. Oh really? Ago. Yeah, in the crowd. Like, not as a celebrity. He was in there just, like, trying to scan the line. Like, he was, he could, like, there was, a, like, a cluster of people trying to get in the one door. Mm-hmm. And I just saw him coming through the crowd, with like, kind of with his hand up like a shark so he could swish people left to right That's funny. And, and get in. You know, like, he was, like, one of us. But I was yeah. like, oh, my God. I was like, that's the guy from the league. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so if anyone's not sure who we're talking about but know the league, it's uh, yeah. Andre and Rafi from the league, and um, and they do this great comedy show. And here's um, they've, they've they've done quite a few uh, comic book movies too. Uh, 
And one of my favorites is when they talked about Daredevil, they actually had Ed Brubaker on the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really great. Because I think at the time, he was writing Daredevil when that movie came out. Or, no, 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 I don't think he was, but I mean, I think he was a writer of Daredevil, so they had him on. And um, Oh, and then uh, I listened to Mike and Tom Eat Snacks, which is Michael yeah. Ian Black and Tom Cavanaugh. Oh, nice. They, oh, yeah? Yeah, that's, it's really Oh, fun. the old Ed team. Yeah, and it's exactly what it sounds like. They Every episode, they uh, pick a snack, they eat a snack, and then they rate it. And, yeah. of course, it's ridiculously funny and uh nsfw yeah uh and then there's one that's called the art of manliness that i just i listen to every so often it's just you know it's just kind of fun so dang dude yeah well where's the thing listening to podcasts used to be a lot easier when i actually had a a commute yeah and now that i don't they're really starting to build up right (laughs) um so yeah. yeah, I always go with music in the car. That's why I, I I have you know my own music and I just hit go. Yeah, yeah see, I listen to uh, sports radio in the car. I, Talk radio like the precursor to podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to you know now that I'm I'm working from home, I have to uh, figure out a new podcasting schedule or something because, like I said, when I was driving to and from work every day, five days a week. It was no problem. I would, you know, by the end of the week, I might even run out of things to listen to. Yeah. But now I've got like 20 episodes of various, various shows to listen to. So. Oh my God. So we answer, we just answered all the questions. We did it. All right. <laughs> well, should we actually talk about some comics now? We we could. It's, it's our, sure, why not? It's our bread and butter. Let's let's get that. All right. It's, it's an anniversary episode. It can be oversized. Well, I could. Yeah. <laughs> well, these I can kind of get out of the way pretty quick. I've, I have uh, issue four of Star Wars and Darth Vader. Oh, yeah. Um, Which, I, Duke, I, I more than assume that you're reading. I am reading that, yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I want to see if you're going to say what I am going to say about it. Okay, well, I'm going to start with Darth Vader. Uh, okay. This is my last issue with Darth Vader. Oh. You're bailing. I am. It's boring. Whoa. I don't, think Darth, I don't think Darth Vader is a compelling character. I think he's difficult to be a... A, a, a lead. A lead character a because he's character. a silent... Well, yeah. He's I mean, a strong silent type. And, and there's no facial expressions. Right. There's no... Yeah, exactly. He's not a talker. He's, he's like... You know, like weird comparison but angel you know the tv yeah. show angel that was a tough sell because here's a guy that just broods all the time so they had to have a bunch of plucky characters around him right that actually emoted for him and i think that's what they're doing with darth vader because they threw in that plucky uh indiana jones girl right because let's face it that's who she is exactly which i i didn't really care one way or the other for her yeah um it, I, she was exact like you know her presence was telegraphed a mile away it's like okay yeah we need someone to be come in and be cute and snarky and the exact opposite of Darth Vader yeah i think it's i think her she's a little too too much 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 here's what I was going to say that I wasn't sure if you were going to say, but um, the death droids are creepy as hell. Those those are probably the only two things I I do like about the book. I, yeah, I, I like the like the mirror opposites of <laughs> like the mirror images of R two and C three PO. Yeah, you know we've got the the death droids. Yeah, that C three PO is just creepy because he's basically a torture droid, but he looks like C three PO but with a black paint job, and. But it's just because he's so cheerful about killing everything. Right. Like, it just, it's like, oh, well, I, I actually am like, feel disturbed after reading his dialogue. Well, it's, it's still, a, he's, it's like, he's still a protocol droid, but he's. Yeah, with etiquette and everything. Yeah, but he'll still kill you. Yeah, but he's still like, um, you know, well, I am going to fillet you with this knife now, mm-hmm. you know, if, right. if you don't mind, you know. It's a it's literal feeling like, with kindness. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, what the? <laughs> um, and then uh, the R2 units, you know, equipped with a flamethrower, you know. So, right. Oh. Yeah. So it's it's kind of, those two, you know, sold it for me, but uh, I, I'm all in with the Star Wars stuff now at this point, you know. they. Well, you know. I'm still uh, I'm still enjoying the main Star Wars book. Yeah. And I, I, I like this one a lot. Um the, but the the thing that and I even joked about this on Twitter, but it's like is Tatooine the only planet in the galaxy that everyone <laughs> just goes back to all the time? Yeah, I mean well, it's, it's like in every comic, every movie, every animated series, it's like they always go back to Tatooine. Well, it's, that's what it's like the island in Lost. It it is, and and like it it almost belittles you know what Luke said about it you know that it's it's the farthest place from anything that's happening right you know and like to paraphrase him and in this in this issue he decides he 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 doesn't really know where his place is yet if it's in the rebellion or or not so he decides the answers are back on Tatooine Luke says yeah he also says that I'm never coming back to this place and then he's back <laughs> all the time it's like he's back every other weekend yeah. He's just, he's always on leave. Yeah. Like I mean, home. but yeah. essentially, like, when you, you try to look at, like, the universe scale of, of Star Wars, that it's really just the scale of the Earth. Mm-hmm. And, like, Tatooine is basically my hometown, you know? And it's like, I could go back and visit if I really want to. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's, that's what it is, is Tatooine's not that far off the beaten path that he can't. You know, right? He makes it, sound, but it, you know, he was like a whiny teenager too when he said that stuff. But mm-hmm. so, I think of it like that. I think like each planet represents something, you know, uh, that we have in on Earth anyway. So, and and it's just extrapolated into a planet. But so they, yeah, he's like this is like a farm, you know, he's a farm boy, right? You know. Well, it's totally you know like a Clark Kent kind of thing, and, you know, Smallville. And, and and of course he's heading back to Tatooine, and who's already on Tatooine? <laughs> Darth Vader. Vader, because who lives there? Jabba. Yep. Yeah, like everybody's there. <laughs> Big universe, huh? Yeah. 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 So all the baddies are on one planet. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, but anyways, I'm, I'm still enjoying it, and I think we get one more issue of John Cassidy. And yeah, then six th- issues. And then yeah. there's going to be one fill-in artist, and then Stuart Eminent takes over. Yeah, perfect choice. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited for that. Yeah, I think that'll be good stuff. But yeah. I actually think um, I know there's been some some criticism that I've heard every so often, but um, I think this issue has been Cassidy's strongest issue since the first one. Okay. Like I I think that. Um, all the main characters looked really good without looking completely photo referenced. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I, for some reason, I really liked the scene where Luke was practicing with the um, the little oh, uh, yeah, with the, the, the little droid, like the little yeah. uh, laser droid or whatever. The, uh, the, the remote. The remote. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that that interaction between Luke and Leia. Like he really seemed, yeah. you know, like. The he, idea that he, he had really, legitimate, he had legitimate, like he was irritated. He wanted to be left alone. Yeah, and that he was where, like, like really questioning himself. In the movie, he pretty much, you know, pawns all in fawns or whatever you call it, all over her. Right. Yeah. He's like yeah. a he's like a lovesick teenager. Yeah. When she's around, but in this, he's he, he's a little more grown up. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty much in it for the long run with those because now that they've said that they're part of the canon of uh, Star Wars, I'll, I'm pretty much on board, like to read them, uh, and you know, further my own mental database <laughs> of uh, Star Wars knowledge. So, yep. Uh, whether or not you know, it's you know, kind of boring. Like I, I, I can kind of see what you mean about that. I think that. That it's four issues in and they haven't really gotten into the meat of uh, Darth Vader's story, mm-hmm. and where at least with Star Wars it started off right off the bat with a bang, um, but this one only now is he you know he's going to face his adversaries in the next issue it said yeah but it took four issues and how many splash pages to get there, which I think that's actually what. That may be my biggest gripe is too many splash pages in Darth Vader. Yeah, there's uh like just because I don't know they just like to use up space. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of the other book. <laughs> well, I will say that um, you know Salvador Larocca is doing the art for the Darth Vader, and I think that's some of his strongest work mm-hmm. I've seen in a long time. But on the flip side, like aside from that new female character that they introduced in the last issue. Yeah. Everything is, I mean, all he's doing is, all he's drawing is like uh, aliens and droids and spaceships. Yeah. So, eh, how much work is he really doing? How much, you know, is he, how many DVD captures is he just, you know, working from? Drawing off, yeah. Yeah. That's my big bugaboo with, uh, license books is that the adherence to likeness and uh it, it can often look stiff yes and that's why yeah. i'm not too keen on them um wow let's segue into this in a in a weird way i don't think that happens at all in puppet master so i'm just going to say that right now <laughs> because you know the people that use reference for the covers or back covers full disclosure scott 
totally, totally make them look podcast. natural. What? It's about integrity in podcasts. They totally make them look natural in the scenes that they are depicted. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, full disclosure. Uh, uh, no, but we haven't talked about Pu- Puppet Master, and I think it deserves, you know, a review, um, especially since we're we're giving shout outs to everybody else we know in the, you know, in the internet's social verse. In real life. In real life, IRL. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, I, well, I, you know, I, I basically had the opportunity to draw the back cover for the New Dimension edition of Puppet Master number one. So that was awesome. And, like, by default, I got the book, you know, like, check out, you know, courtesy of New Dimension Comics. And John Angle, drop another name out there, um, hooked me up. Um, a St. Mary's boy, by the way. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, though, I, you know, and then I got to uh, really just get better acquainted with uh, Sean Gabrine that wrote the book. Uh, he's another Pittsburgh guy. And um, yeah, I actually liked it, like enough that I went back and bought the second issue. So, um, and I'm not a horror fan, you know, but I was like, I, I'm, I'm into this story and I, I was, and I really dug the art too. Um, but it's, um, Puppet Master, you know, there was a slew of movies, uh, that came out and find their names here. Full Moon, uh, did those and, and basically Sean and, and the guys at Action Lab Comics were able to acquire the license for it. And, um, as I understand it, they have it for quite a while. So they're cranking out tons of, uh, stories for it. Um, the first book is really just, uh, the first three issues is the first story arc and they introduce you to the puppets in that. And, uh, you know, I don't know anything about it. Like, that's what's kind of funny is like when I drew that, I really just went onto the internet and tried to find references and draw their likenesses to the best of my ability. Um, you know, but like getting to know it better, it's kind of an interesting premise that, uh, you know, this puppet, this guy who's literally a puppet maker, he made these realistic puppets and, um, the legend was that there are souls trapped inside each puppet and they hate it and they, so they kill people, uh, at the will of the puppet master. So, um, I don't know. Are you guys familiar with this at all? Uh, only, like, only in name. I've, I've never watched any of the movies. I mean, I just know of it. Okay. Um, I, I'm of the saying, I did read, uh, the first issue. Because a certain podcast co-host <laughs> drew the back cover art. <laughs> but I was, no, I, um, like I said, that was you, Scott. We all know this. We promote it here on the show. Uh, now, I did pick up the first issue, and um, I'll give a shout-out to Mr. Gabriel as well. He's really cool to talk to. Nice guy. And uh, I read you know, it. was a good issue. Um, I enjoyed it. He, um, he did a nice job of, like, he rolled, you know, he rolled out. Uh, you know, some clues, you know, like, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and then in the second issue, he actually reveals to you the puppet master, which I did not even know that was a thing. Mm. But I was like, oh, 
And I was like, oh, I thought it was just about the puppets. Like, you know, even though it's called Puppet Master. But yeah, there's actually someone help holding the strings, quote unquote. Huh. So yeah, in the second issue, you actually find that out, which I was like, ooh. So I was happy about that. I was happy to see that, um, that it is only a three issue arc. So if you don't want to go in too deep, you can actually, you know, you're only buying three books instead of five or six, you know, to get a feel for it, to decide That's if good you to know. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, the first arc is just three issues. Um, I don't know if they say that in the first issue, but in the second one, they, they, they say that. Um, I think, yeah, the, it's called the offering, uh, part two of three. So, um, yeah, I liked it. And then, um, he also told me that the artist on this book is, uh, I, I'm going to guess at the name, but I think it's Michaela DeSacco, um, who I believe is from France. So, uh, you know, they kind of work. This is like an international made book in the, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm doing this on memory now. The, and my memory's horrible. Um, the colorist, Ian Perarelli, is from Germany, I believe. So it's kind Damn. of an international book. Wow. Which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And he said it's all, you know, digital as far as like, uh, file, you know, working between each other. So <clears throat> it's pretty neat. It was really, it was really cool to, you know, to kind of find out, kind of to see, you know, because Sean, like I say, local guy, he's accessible, you know, friendly, and, um, you know, he, you know, we kind of get that window to see how publishing works, you know, from him. So I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, anyway, I, I'd recommend it. I mean, like I say, I, I felt good enough about the first one. I figured I'd try the second one, and I'm. I'm gonna at least get the third one and see how it ends. So, um, well, yeah, it sounds like I mean, aside from the the book, I mean, it was a really great experience just being part of that. Yeah, it was really cool. Uh, just doing the signings too. I mean, you guys were there, so. Mm-hmm. But uh, that was that was kind of different. <laughs> yeah, um, and oh my god, people are fanatical about Puppet Master. I had no idea. Oh really? But yeah, there was people coming out of the woodwork that just knew everything about it. Wow. And they were asking specifically, like, you know, and Sean, Sean is as big a fan as they are. And it was almost like, like watching it, like watching two experts duel, duel <laughs> in an arena of, of puppet master knowledge, you know, and they were just like, I, you know, just meeting each other at every step, you know, it was like, holy crap. So, <laughs> it was pretty cool. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, no, it was a, uh, it was actually uh, very cool to be a part of that. So nice. Yeah. Uh, next. <laughs> oh, you know, what? I read a book. I read a book. Um, no, I guess I want to talk about. I speaking about convergence again. I picked up. I mean, what it was called? I think it was a Swamp Thing. It was the Swamp Thing Convergence Time book. And, uh, Ooh. I mean, as Convergence as an event, uh, kind of a snooze fest for me. I really, I don't know. But, um, the Swamp Thing was written by Len Wein, creator of Swamp Thing, as I'm sure you gentlemen both know. 
drawn by powerful Kelly Jones, someone you don't oh. see oh, wow, often yeah. anymore. Wow. So a Kelly Jones swamp thing. I was like, I'm buying that. And yeah. uh, it was a, it was a cool thing. And it's like this story, it takes place, I don't want to say, it's definitely pre-New 52. Because it's not the New 52 swamp thing. It's the old-timey swamp thing where he thought he was a dude, but he's actually a plant who thinks he's a dude. Um, <laughs> okay. It's that swamp thing. And him and Abigail King go to Gotham City on the... They're tracking down some case, and that's when Brainiac throws the uh, dome over Gotham. And I I think it's a two-parter, and I think, based on like the little infographic on the inside cover, um, you're in Gotham, but the Batman has not showed up yet. However, vampires haven't showed up yet. I think it's the uh, vampire Batman is going to be showing up. Which I... Nah, that makes sense, because I think... The, they said it was like Red Rain Batman was like in the little infographic at the beginning. So uh, I think it'll be that one. And I cannot wait because uh, I do have those books as well. Also drawn by powerful Kelly Jones. And uh, nice. I, I, I will look that. And like I said, the, the Speed Force by Tom Grummet, just to try these convergence books, they're okay. But like the, the whole convergence thing is just kind of like, meh. So why don't you just give me... I, I, I didn't realize what they were. The gist was, I thought you were just getting like snapshots from these eras. Like, here's another crack at, you know, a story by these creators of these characters from this set place in continuity. Not Brainiac going around and collecting snippets from every version of reality and mm-hmm. having them duke it out. Which um, it's amazing how the big two do their events and they're identical. Like yeah. they're. I, I don't know. How, something's going pretty on. Much. It's a little weird, but they Secret Wars and Convergence are pretty yeah. much the same thing. So it's it's like um, Dante's, used to wait before they ripped each other off. Yeah, now it's like just, Dante's Peak and uh, volcano. And volcano. Volcano. Yeah. Armageddon. It's like the and, uh, Some would say uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact. Deep Impact. Yeah, yeah. it, it seems like you're, every uh, year for the more obscure nuggets. Yeah. <laughs> Every year there was something like that, yeah. And Marvel and DC totally did that this year. Yeah, and it's just like, and then I read the uh, there was like a free sam- uh, Secret Wars sampler that was put out this, like that came, was out this week and came with the books when I stopped at the comic shop. Ugh, that was that was garbage. Huh. The only thing that was cool was like there's this one version where like Doctor Strange got bit by a vampire, so he abandoned his body and inserted his soul into the Punisher's body. Nice. So it's like a Punisher Doctor Strange mashup That's where like awesome. Doctor Strange's soul lives in Frank Castle's body. And like Frank Castle has like the, the gray temples and his gloves have like the uh, curves uh, dots on it. That's He's awesome. wearing the cape, so it's oh, like yeah. you call him Doctor Castle. I'm like, That's cool, but the rest this whole battle world nonsense you could keep. Like <laughs> I would definitely take a storyline that where Doctor Strange and the Punisher were mashed up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um it's a Kelly back to the Swamp Thing book. It's Kelly Jones and it's that's, you know what you're getting. Yeah. It's a, which is kind of, it goes with hand. When I was at Steel City a couple weeks ago, I picked up a old issue of Batman from the 90s with Swamp Thing drawn by Kelly Jones. It was just like Kelly Jones goodness. That's someone we don't see too often anymore. And so you can get some Kelly Jones three Kelly foot Jones bad on, years. Kelly Jones on Batman, yeah. And giant hawking Swamp Thing. Yeah. It's worth, it's worth the dollars. Nice. Great. 
Um, we get to talk. What else? What else? Yeah, if there's any pause, we'd be remiss without bringing up the Flash. <laughs> you mentioned Tom Cavanaugh earlier, which is it's so you know he's. Oh, I mean, the whole cast of the Flash is just powerful, yeah. powerful. I, that show has no business being that good. We've said this week in, week out since it made <laughs> It has yeah. the longest first season of any TV show I've ever seen. Um, actually, I did find out there are three episodes left, so there is an end in sight. Yeah, yeah. Well, I it's think it's like, 24. Boy, 24 evidently. episodes. Yeah, there's like 90 episodes in the first season of The Flash. <laughs> but no, it is winding down. But they go by so quick. Well, I, I like hey. the, the, that they... They're playing the long game and not just giving us, like, every episode is the new uh, villain of the week. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it was like that for a while, and I was cool with that. Mm -hmm. And then, But, yeah, now it's kind of things. I read somewhere else, like, this is a show that didn't know it was coming back for a season two, so just threw it all out there, found out it was coming back for season two, and decided to keep throwing it all out there. Like, it, I love it. It's it's. Incredibly good. I still can't get into Arrow, which is so bizarre because I, I like it when they cross over, and I enjoy the Arrow characters on the Flash, mm -hmm. but I cannot get into Arrow. Um, well, uh, very yeah, two very tonally different shows yeah. for sure. Mm -hmm. But did we? Did everyone here watch Flash this week? Yes. No. All right, and I will not go any further. Oh. Mm. There were some <laughs> oh my god moments, but I'll probably watch them tonight after we get done. I, I, I can't go any further. But <laughs> it, it's I liked it more than Daredevil. I mean, I enjoyed Daredevil, you know but I still like Flash more than Daredevil. Here's me on my soapbox, though. But like everybody wants to compare everything to Daredevil. Like, stop it. That's my that's my soapbox. Stop it. Because here's why is because you have you know when you look at comic books. And how varied and different they are. Like, I don't want them all to be like Daredevil. I, I, you know, I don't want all the other TV shows to just go like, oh, well, Daredevil killed it, you know, which it, it does, you know, it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, good. Yeah. But I don't want every other show to be like it. Right. So but if I, I had to put them on a planet where they were forced to do battle for their existences, uh, I'm rooting for the Flash. Well, uh, I, I, I don't think, but, but you're, but you're right. Like I can't compare them because they're, yeah. Two, again, talk about two tonally different shows. Where you know Daredevil is is the more the the meaty kind of based in the quote unquote reality of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and Flash is very much an unapologetic comic book t TV mm -hmm. show. Right. It's like you can't even compare the two. They're right. they're both excellent. Different ways. Yeah, but it is you know? inevitable because they are comic book shows. They do right. fall into that genre of superhero programming. So the comparisons are inevitable. You're right. I mean, they are. They're yeah, I mean, there's hamburgers and pork chops. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. They're both good in their own right, and you can't compare the two. You know, on a on a micro level, but on a macro level, they're they're obviously comparable. Right. But you know. If I was told you could watch one or the other, I'm watching Flash. Yeah. Um, I, and I'll still say this, that even though even though Arrow, <laughs> I love doing these little dumb puns, but Arrow seems aimless this <laughs> year. Um, season two was one of the best seasons of television I ever watched. I was like, thinking the same thing, that like season three yeah. has faltered. Yeah. Um, I've heard that about season two of Arrow. Yeah. Season two was excellent. On, um, on point. 
I, I feel like the only <laughs> the only thing that season three has done successfully was um, take Laurel and make her a worthy character. Right. That's good. I'm glad, and maybe they can do the same with Iris. That is kind of disheartening about the CW at DC shows is that they do seem to have that one female character that's just a complete dit. Well, well, um, well it, it's not just the CW because yeah. if, if anyone's watching Gotham, yeah, Barbara Kane is the worst oh character ever. I feel even you know worse what? than Iris. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you, Dan. I, I, I cut Iris slack. I mean, I, I know what role she's supposed to be yeah. playing, but it's like it, it, it does get a little tiresome. Like, come on, yeah, but dude. I, like they did. I think I feel like the writers have done Barbara Kane an injustice. With the way they characterize her, like I kind of want them. I I wish they had just killed her in the first episode or something because she's terrible. Well, it 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 seems like they hate her. Like the writers just hate the character because what they did with her with this with the ogre. Oh, I hated that whole thing. Oh, it was awful. Like, all right. So first, like just to catch people up and not big spoilers, but but basically they wrote Barbara off the show. Like she. She left Jim sometime during the season, and she was gone from the show, and it was like, oh, that's, that's fine. Probably fairly early on, too. Yeah, I was fine with that, because yeah. I'm like, all right, maybe someday they resolve and they get married, and I didn't really like her anyway on the show. But then they decide to bring her back, and she's, and she seems tough. Like, she's tough as nails, and you're like, whoa, this is the barber that I thought, you know, like, that Jim Gordon would fall for, you know? But then all of a sudden they turn her into, like, uh, a beaten, weeping, you know, failure. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's, that's the word. Well, but they just, like, they just took away whatever they were building up and, like, making her a strong character. They just, like, took it away from her. And then just... And I then feel like, like oh. they don't know what to do with her from week to week. Yeah, she's she's so like uh, just I, I can't even think of the word, but she it's like every week she's she's either like into this crazy guy and she's okay with his room full of like torture porn right, uh, her, devices. His Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, and then like the next day she's like freaking out and doesn't want to be with him and right. I, I, uh, just when she, yeah, like, oh, now you're scaring me, and it's like, what? And then like, and then she's just, uh, she's like a doped up, uh, you know, I don't know, like, I don't want to spoil it, but she, like, at the end, basically, Jim saved oh, her. Oh, that was just I, that, that that whole thing where she, yeah, like you horrible. said, she was just, uh, like, not herself, very like at all. And, like, Jim's like, oh, it's going to be okay. And she's out of her mind at that point. Yeah, she's crazed. And it's like, what did they do to her? Like, they ruined this character. Yeah. Like, that, that I, I hold the, the writers responsible on that one. Yeah. Because I was like, what? Are you serious? Like, let me not like her for a legitimate reason. Like, not because <laughs> you, you wrote her, like, like we hate her, so we wrote yeah. this really crappy story for her. No, they, they didn't know what to do with her because they – because – the, the doctor, uh, Leslie Tompkins, is a much better character. Oh, yeah. And that's the love interest. And you already have the really strong character in, you know, female character in Fish Mooney. 
and, oh, yeah. and yeah. Selena. Yeah. So, and, and uh, Renee Montoya, we haven't seen her since the beginning of the show. Um, is she the chief? The chief? Oh no, she was the uh, one investigating Joe. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, she was with the major crimes unit. Well, that's when they first crapped out on Barbara. You know, when they decided to give her the... Oh, yeah, the the lesbian relationship. Yeah, I was like, what? Like, I mean, that's cool, you know, if she's into that. But it was just like, it it almost seemed like they just wrote it for TV. It's like, oh, that that escalated quickly. Yeah, yeah, they just... It didn't seem... It seemed like it was more just like, we don't know what to do with her, like you said. It was very just shoehorned in. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what it is with with DC and like it's like every show has one character they just don't know <laughs> what to do with. So yeah, Laurel and then Jared said, uh, "Who's the other one on the Iris. Flash?" Iris. 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 Yeah, I never really picked up on that before, but you're totally right. <laughs> it's not that they can't write strong female characters because they do, but they always write that one. It's just. It's just. Yeah. There's one that it's, it's like males it, on a chalkboard. Yeah, and I it's because I don't know what they did in Arrow, but it sort of serves a purpose for the overall narrative, at least in Flash. They need that one character who's kind of in the dark, so that there's someone to make revelations and there's someone that they can play a little. Honestly, not, that's so everybody that, isn't in on because in Flash everybody is now in on. I was about well, to say that's what kills me is that literally every character except Iris. Yeah. Knows the, his secret identity. But, well, and, and, yeah, they, and they I escalated that. I suspect that may be ending sooner than we think. Right. Arrow, Arrow did the same thing this year. Like, pretty much everyone knows now. Yeah. Like, that he's involved with. There, there's no secret anymore. Yep. So, um, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that that's one of the elements of, of superheroes, you know, like to have a secret identity to somebody, but it's like, nah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I wear a costume. I know there's someone who's not supposed to know who I am, but right. I just can't help but tell anybody. Well, they, everybody. they pretty much called that out in the new issue of Daredevil, like not this week's, but um, last month, basically Daredevil, because his identity is public currently. Um. He's like, well, I changed my costume. I don't even wear a, a mask anymore. Yeah, he wears a red suit. Yeah, which yep. really looks silly if you ask me. But <laughs> yeah, but uh, but right. yeah, he's like, hey, Secret I'm. Secret Wars uh, will end it. Yeah. So yeah, Secret Wars is going to end it anyway. So I was like, you know what? I don't really care about the story anymore. I think that team is winding exactly. down on that book, anyways. I think they are. They are. So um, I, I think it's. Either issue eighteen or nineteen, like yeah. it's only a couple issues away. So, so. Yeah, the chapter will be closing on Daredevil, unless unless like Snyder and Capullo jump ship and take over Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> I would be too, but I don't think it's going to happen. There's a dream team. Yeah, put them on yeah. Daredevil for six issues. <laughs> it, it, it's the equivalent yeah. of what they you know, <laughs> of just, what they did Batman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, fellers. Yeah, I was about to say, do we have anything else to talk about? I know we've been talking for a while, but uh, free comic book days this Saturday. That's right. Yeah, you can see um, the the, uh, the post two hundred era begins in earnest Saturday afternoon at New Dimension Comics, Century Three Mall. 
Yeah, I think we're going to record one there too, right? You are correct, right. sir. Whew. Yep. We'll be All right. Representing. You guys better be, better bring your A game. We're talking about uh, I'll the bring a com- game. Dave comics <laughs> that we just read. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, but we actually rescue. complete. We're actually just going to read the script from this one. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> um, All right. Yeah. Well, hey, it's been an excellent 200 episodes, and uh, you know I couldn't ask for two better guys to do this with. So, looking yeah. forward to uh, you. 200 more. The best part of the show is you guys. <laughs> so. You guys had me at hello. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, on that note, that is episode 200 of Comic Book Pit. I'm Dan. I'm the Duke. I'm Jared. And we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank you.